You're listening to the Mind Your Home Podcast. I'm your host, Mia Danielle, and I'm here to tell you that the number one thing you can optimize to give you more energy and happiness is your environment. If you're tired of the chaotic cycle and ready to feel energized at home with more simplicity, more energy, and less clutter, then welcome to the Mind Your Home Podcast. Have you ever asked yourself, why do I have so much trouble letting these things go? Or why does my husband insist on holding on to all these little doodads that he is clearly never going to use? Or why does my kid insist on hoarding all of these sticks and rocks that she finds on her walk that she holds on to for dear life and refuses to let them go? Why is this a thing? Well, that is what we're going to talk about today. So imagine that you are in a university auditorium. Now, I have a clear mental picture of this because I can recall sitting in an auditorium style classroom for my favorite subject in college, which was anatomy and physiology. (laughs) Um, I'm a nerd. I would always aim to sit around like halfway up the pews or the aisles or whatever you want to call them, but close to the center, but still right there on the walkway. Like if you gave me a visual of an auditorium seating, I would automatically go for the same spot every time. You want to be right there on the walkway so you have a quick escape if you need to go somewhere or so you don't have to wait for everybody else to unload when it's time to leave. But, you know, you still want to be like halfway up to where you have a good a good view of what's going on on the overhead projector and all of that good stuff. So just imagine that you are in one of these giant university auditoriums. You know, there's a little bit of a chill in the air, very sterile environment. You're sitting there. The room is packed full of all of these students. Now, imagine that the professor comes in with a box and he pulls out a shiny university mug and he walks around the classroom, randomly just tossing a mug at just seemingly super random students as he goes up and down the aisle. Okay, so half of, you know, when he's done, half of these students have randomly gotten this treat this free university mug, and the other half didn't get one. So you have this stadium full of university students, half of them with a shiny new mug that they got totally for free, and the other half that did not. Now, imagine that everyone in this classroom is now asked to write a price for that mug. Those who didn't receive it are to write down how much they would spend to attain one. And then those who did get a mug are to write down how much they would be willing to sell their mug for. So answer me this, which group of students prices the mug higher? The group who had the mug, who just received one for free, maybe we'll say they've had it for maybe 30 minutes. Now it's time to price out how much they would sell it out for, or those who watched everybody else around them get a mug or half of the the rest of the room get a mug and they didn't get one, how much would they be willing to spend in order to attain one? Which of those groups of people do you think priced the mug higher? Well, interestingly enough, when I first heard this, I I said the students who didn't receive one because they're missing out, right? They would want to spend a little bit more to be able to attain this mug and, and see what it's all about. Interestingly enough, there have been many studies just like this. And in fact, one of the most famous experiments was done using university mugs similar to this example. And what they found is that people who owned the mug valued it at nearly twice the price. I believe the numbers, don't quote me on this, I believe the numbers were somewhere around um, people would spend about two and a half dollars to three dollars to attain a mug, those who didn't receive one, and people were were willing to sell their mug for six dollars, something along those lines, it was like three and six. Twice the amount 
of money was valued from those who had already owned the mug, even for a brief period of time. And they call this the endowment effect. So the endowment effect is a psychological phenomenon that states that when that humans will attribute more value to something just because we own it, even if we've only owned it for a short period of time, regardless of logic or reason or what we're using the thing for or whatever, regardless of any of that, we will value something as with a higher value just because we own it. You see something of value, something with potential, whether that's founded in logic and experience or not, you will naturally value that item more than somebody else. When you're walking around your neighborhood and you see the person that has like car parts and all this junk out in their yard and you're thinking, why, why are they, why are they doing this? Why are they making everything look like crap? Why don't they throw all of this junk in the back of a dump truck and finally get rid of it once and for all? Let me help them. I'll take care of it for them. But to that person who owns these things, they see value. They see purpose and potential in each one of those items and they're likely holding on to them for you know, at least a perceived future purpose, if not, you know, if even if it's something that maybe will never be touched again, there is some kind of perceived value in this belonging that they own that to everybody else looks like junk. So there are a lot of theories to explain why this phenomenon exists, but the most founded and probably the most obvious reason, I believe, is something called loss aversion, which states that we place more weight on loss than we do on gain. And to me, this totally makes sense, okay? So if somebody told you that if you didn't achieve X result, some kind of specific result, you would lose everything you own. You would lose your home, you would lose your car, you would lose your belongings, everything. You would experience some major stress over that, right? You wouldn't be able to sleep, your wheels would be spinning to figure out some way, hell or high water, that you're gonna achieve this X result, you're not gonna lose everything you've worked for. Now, if someone told you instead that achieving that same result, the same X result, would double your current assets, everything that you own, your house would be twice as as valuable, whether that's twice as big or twice as pricey, your car twice as good as the one you have now, in essence, you would be gaining the same amount that you would have lost in that previous example. But you probably wouldn't have such a major response. It'd be like, you know, meh, I mean... Sure, it would be great and all, but the the world's not going to end if I don't get this thing. It's not like I'm losing anything, right? I mean, when you think about it, how many of us have some great big dream, some what if or potential future vision that we know if we really gave it our all, we could achieve that thing. But, you know, I mean, we sleep in, we don't necessarily put in all the time because we don't feel like it. We can't see it in our face. It's not something we can reach out and grab. It takes a little more work. So we just, we don't even try. Now, that same pressure, if we were going to be losing that same amount, if we were going to be losing the same amount that we would otherwise be gaining in the other example, I mean, how many of you know that you would be waking up, you would be going through whatever you need to go through in order to keep from losing whatever it is that you would be losing. 
We have an aversion to losing things that outweigh basic logic and reasoning. It's not about a balance, you know, if you have like a, a scales of balance, it's not about straight worth or straight value of something. It's not about logic. It's not about mathematics. It defies reasoning, really, the way that we have this aversion to loss, that we weigh our losses so much heavier than we would weigh any potential gains. The thing is, this same theory doesn't just apply to the big things like your house and your car or doubling your income or becoming a millionaire. I mean, the earlier example that, example that we were talking about was a mug, right? That The biggest study um, about this endowment effect in history was based on a university mug. How many random things are you holding on to and storing away for no logical reason other than, you know, you own it? It's yours and you don't want to experience any kind of loss, even if it's a beneficial loss. You're overvaluing the mug and living with the clutter so that you don't have to experience a moment, just a little moment of discomfort stemming from the endowment effect. So what's the point? You know, okay, so we've done studies, we've done research, we understand that our brains work this way. So what? You know, if our brains work this way, if this is the way you feel, then that's the way you feel. It's just the way it is, right? What's the point? Well, I personally happen to believe that knowledge is power, knowing why things are the way they are, and that you're not the only person who struggles with this exact same phenomenon, I believe can be crucial to making peace with letting go of things when it's time to let go of them. You know, a lot of times we think, there's just something wrong with us. We have some like special issue with us or with our brains that's causing us to not be able to live up to the standards of all of these other people. Maybe people that you see online or your friends or your neighbors or whoever, you know, that seem like they have it all together and everything's perfect. And you just feel like you have these little, these little hiccups in your brain, these these little setbacks that are just kind of holding you back, that, that you're just not really capable of, of being where those other people are. And I'm telling you that every human being is struggling with the same things. Now, it may be like on different levels. There may be people who struggle with things that are more outwardly visible, but we all have this same kind of psychological makeup. But it's like raising the curtain. When you realize that's, that a particular thing is there, when you realize that something is the way it is, when you realize that you know, you've been taking the placebo pill for the past five months, now all of a sudden you feel a little bit different, right? You feel like, oh, you know what? Maybe it hasn't been working this whole time. Just the realization of truth in any given situation really can change everything about it. It can change the way you see it, the way you feel about it, the way you plan going forward. It can change everything. So that's why, you know, I get I nerd out on this stuff. Like I get into getting into <laughs> um, how psychology, like how our brains work. There's a reason why our places look the way they look. There's a reason why we have the habits we have when we do the things we do can be broken down like science. And that knowledge allows you to rework different pathways, different ways of thinking, different ways of dealing with your environment and with whatever it is that's going on in your life and allows you to break on through that barrier. So what barrier are you able to break on through today? Be sure to go and leave a review for the Mind Your Home podcast over on Apple Podcasts. It would be a huge help to me and to anybody else who is trying to search for the similar information down the line in the future. Have a good day.